talking about video games. Yeah! Hello, everyone out there in Internet Land. Welcome to the Namek vs. Saiyan podcast. This is episode 11. I am your host, Patrick Shanley. Uh, joining me, as always, is my friend and co-host, Edmund Arnold. Eddie, how are you doing today? I'm all right. I feel like we're going to get sued for using Internet Land. I'm pretty sure that um, Wreck-It Ralph has trademarked Internet Land. Oh, no, Disney's super film. cool about copyrights. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you better be careful using the name Internet Land out there. I hear like right. a chopper above my house right now. doing all right. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. You're like close to them too, so I know they they got my wall stat, man. Oh uh, well, another another week has gone by, and with it, another crop of sad, depressing, hilarious stories and gaming news. One of the ones that popped out to me immediately was, and this is because I'm a huge fan of this game series, maybe my favorite game series of all time. Uh, but that's with GTA 6, Grand Theft Auto 6, and it has been, I want to say it's a long-awaited game because Rockstar kind of rolls these out in five-year, six-year increments. The last Grand Theft Auto game, Grand Theft Auto 5, came out in 2013, uh, so we are getting close to the five-year mark now, and some news broke, in quotes, about the Grand Theft Auto 6. And that was that a, uh, a motion capture artist or actor um, had listed on his resume that he was working on the new Grand Theft Auto game. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. We should take it with a grain of salt. There were just a lot of uh, red flags, like this might be fake. And he came out and said, no, this is fake. I guess it was on his resume. Right. He, um, someone got a hold of his resume and it had some credits alluded to. He did some work for the Red Dead Redemption 2. He did some work for some mocap work to be specific, for Red Dead Redemption 2 and Grand Theft Auto 6. Right. Some people saw that, and they're like, oh, all right, we're getting a Grand Theft Auto 6 next year. Woo-hoo-hoo. So I was on Twitter that morning, and I get pinged by a couple people saying, like, oh, my God, look, Grand Theft Auto 6 is coming. About an hour later, uh, I see an article from PC Games N saying that, sorry, that Grand Theft Auto 6 6 resume leak is completely fake. Uh, and then it goes on to detail that's an actor is a stunt actor. His name is uh, Tim Neff. They reached out to him personally. This is what he said in his own words. That isn't my page account or resume. I don't even know that website. I worked on GTA five a long time ago and haven't done anything since. It's kind of sad. Uh, sorry for the confusion. I, it seems I'm being trolled online really badly. Did he lie then? That's my question. And also why would anyone in the world pick one random actor and just decide to be like, oh, let's uh, ruin this guy's life. But I, I don't know. I'm so confused about the story because it's on his resume. Right. People find out who he is. They attack him because that's what internet people do. That's what we do now. When mm-hmm. We hear about something. We get upset and then we attack someone. Then he comes out and he says, no, this isn't true. Rockstar is denying that any of this is true. Right. So my, that's my big question is why, why was it on your resume, dude? Was- uh, so here's what I don't get too. Okay, so this guy also posted on Instagram uh, in February that here we go again to another couple good days at Rockstar San Diego and hashtagged it mocap. Now, look, he might have been working on Red Dead Redemption 2 when that was happening, but obviously this guy is working on at least one of these games. And seeing as how Rockstar, we all know that Grand Theft Auto 6 is coming, why, why would he lie about this? And then also, why would it be such a big deal? Why would an actor risk uh, a struggling actor by the way apparently based on his quote that he hasn't worked since grand theft auto 5 why would he risk a future job why would he do that it doesn't it doesn't make any sense it seems to me that it actually is happening he released something that he maybe shouldn't and rockstar tried to clamp it down as fast as possible because they don't want any leaks getting out there right and i I believe he probably signed something that said if he leaked anything he could possibly be sued Mm -hmm. we could possibly be in getting big trouble for that so i think this is really him backtracking i mean we're gonna get a grand theft auto 6 we know we're gonna get a grand theft auto 6 right i don't know when i think we're probably three to four years away from another grand theft auto especially since we're getting a red dead redemption 2 pretty soon right but it's just i don't know the man this is a weird story this is kind of a weird story and i hate rumors like rumor stories like this but whenever you see stories like this, specifically with Rockstar, mm-hmm. there's always there's always some little light of truth to it. I really don't like conspiracy theories either. And at this point, it's all just hearsay because Rockstar is not going to be speaking about it. We already got the quote from Tim Neff. But this is not even a big leak, even if it is true. 
so that's another part that just confuses me about it, I guess. Tim Neff is not a known actor. No one is like, oh, wow, Tim Neff's going to be in this game? Like, what a huge shocker for everybody involved. Uh, this means nothing, uh, that they have a mocap actor coming in. What is surprising about that for anybody? Like, we already know you're working on this game. Right, right. I don't, I don't know, man. I really don't know. I can't. This is such a weird story. Like, like you said when you introduced it, it's just so out of left field, and it really just makes me think that the the actor was working on some type of Grand Theft Auto Six something. I don't know mm-hmm. what it was, to what capacity it was. He did something he wasn't supposed to do, and now he's just trying to cover his ass. In my opinion, I think that's what's going on. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you. I just don't see any other way where it makes sense, where all the pieces line up. Because again, nobody, no internet troll would just randomly scroll through the resume of Grand Theft Auto V and pick one actor at random and be like, well, let's let's screw that guy and say that he's the one who's leaking this information. Yeah, you're right. Well, would they? Why? Maybe they would, but why? That's a very bizarre and very specific thing to do. Do you know, do you know human beings, Americans? They have a lot of time on their hands, and if you don't have anything to do, you're going to find some way to occupy your time. So I wouldn't put it past I wouldn't put it past to someone. It was just like, oh, I'm just going to knock this guy until I get some type of information. Attack, attack, attack. And then all this just blows up into something maybe, where we're talking about it. Yeah, well, maybe Tim Neff really pissed somebody off somewhere. Maybe. He's got a lot of enemies maybe, there, Tim Neff. I don't know. I, don't, I hate stories like this because I want to talk about the games, you know? Right. Um, I'd rather talk about the games, like gameplay videos, rather than like some rumor about some guy's resume. I kind of posed a question on our Twitter after. After this information was released, where would you want to see the next Grand Theft Auto taking place? See, and that's the things that I'd rather be talking about. Talking about. Right, exactly. Because obviously we're all excited about this game and we all know it's coming. Uh, I mean, the location for each one of these games is so integral to what the game ends up being. I'm going to answer your question just because I'm a huge fan of it. Personally, where I'd want to see it is somewhere outside of the United States for once. Okay. I like do. Where? Uh, I mean... Take your pick, but personally, I'd do a Paris, uh, possibly a London, getting like some grimy London Cockney uh, organized crime. Would you do a timepiece, like base it in the 1800s, or would you keep well, how, it modern? How are you going to do Grand Theft Auto in the 1800s? Then you're playing yeah, that's true. Assassin's that's Creed true. or something. I mean, they did do Red Dead Redemption was what, early 1900s? Yeah, but I mean, so, that's part of the game, you know? It's early yeah. 1800s. Um, they did L.A. Noir. Early nineteen. I mean, you know, they they do good timepieces. They do I mean, great timepieces. I just don't feel like it fits in the Grand Theft Auto series. You know. Okay. Okay. That's me personally. If I got you, they did do an eighties game, which I loved and was one of my favorites. They did Vice Everybody City. Everybody loves it. Vice City. Yeah. It's so good. And Ray Liotta, and it's just I don't know. I love that game. I still pick it up occasionally. Um, so yeah, I'm not against them doing a timepiece, but if they were going to do one, I'd want them to do it in a grittier setting. Maybe like. Whatever lends itself to the city that they're in. Like, 1980s Miami is such a perfect choice. Like, that time period for that city is the best choice. You could do 1970s New York. Uh, You could do 1960s Detroit if they wanted to be insane. Mm, I like that, yeah. Detroit's a small city, though, so that kind of limits you a little bit. Right, right. Uh, Yeah, the responses we got were Japan. That that'd be great, Tokyo. That'd be would great. That would be great, Tokyo. Mm. Um, But I don't know. We already have Yakuza's, so. I don't know. Um, I, w- I personally, I would like to see it in like a Milwaukee huh. or a like one of these smaller, like a Reno, one of these smaller Grand Theft Auto Reno. I mean, think about it. Like one of these smaller CD cities where you don't really hear much about. You can make any up any type of story. We were seeing Far Cry Five do it, in yeah. Montana. So why not? Well, why I mean, not? they also kind of did it. They didn't do Reno or a smaller city, but they did do sort of with Vegas and San Andreas. Um, and not that Vegas is a small city, but you were out in the boonies a lot, too. Even in Grand Theft Auto V, you could drive out to the Salton Sea and really be out there, you know, in the sticks. And that yeah, was fun. You know, I, I spent like a lot that, of time yeah. out there, yeah. Yeah, I think Grand Theft Auto managed to ground itself a little more in the last couple of – especially with this Grand Theft Auto V. It was really, really grounded. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they continue that route because that game was a masterpiece in a – in a series that has kind of already set the benchmark very, very high for itself, that game took it above and beyond. It did, with the three playable characters and just 
the story the alone story was more Hollywood. Yeah, it was. It felt like a movie rather than a video game story. Yeah, it was phenomenal. the The variety of the characters, the uh, the emotionality of the voice actors, the graphics were phenomenal. The gameplay was fun. It felt fresh and new, even though it's the that's one knock that Grand Theft Auto always gets is that you're playing the same game every time. You're just in a different city, but this one really felt fresh when Grand Theft Auto yeah. Five came out. It was a perfect game. It you know there's not not much to knock on it it was a perfect game yeah so I'm, I'm hoping that these rumors are true hopefully this guy his resume there's some truth to it and hopefully we get a grand theft auto 6 within the next couple of years but i don't see it we'll see though i mean we're going to get one and i'm excited for red dead redemption 2 because i love the first one of that oh. um, it's it's so good john marson is a fantastic protagonist too is that the best video game story ever possibly next to last of us it's definitely up there and i truly do love that game the ending man phenomenal ending let's uh let's not do any spoilers for anybody for this it's like 15 years old at least i played in high school yeah john morrison dies how (laughs) sorry (laughs) everyone uh getting back to the original point it just seems that i don't know rockstar's obviously even if it isn't true whatever the truth beneath everything rockstar's doing damage control and my point is that they don't even need to do damage control. Unless they're playing some crazy, like, 4D chess here and release this on their own just to drum up interest, which, again, they wouldn't do because this is they the... They don't do the, that, yeah. And it's also the biggest game in the world. Everybody knows Grand yeah. Theft Auto. It's already reached the point where everybody knows it. You don't even need to advertise for Grand Theft Auto anymore, you to re- be honest with you. They're Avengers, they're Star Wars, they've reached the point yeah. in the zeitgeist where you can't even get any bigger. Absolutely. You know, I'm so, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't get like I didn't jump into the story. I didn't have much input to this. I just I the rumors and we always get some rock star rumors, right? Right. Like it seems like once a year we get some type of story with some type of actor or voice actor or mocap actor releasing some type of information about Rockstar that they weren't supposed to. And then it either gets buried or we get a little inkling of information released afterwards. So I you know, I'm just gonna take this with a grain of salt. And just cross my fingers and hope that we get a Grand Theft Auto 6 announcement right after Red Dead Redemption's release. Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh my god, it'd be gamer Christmas. Is Red Dead Redemption enough for you to be satiated waiting for Grand Theft Auto 6? Oh, absolutely. I'm still playing Grand Theft Auto 5. Like, I still... I don't need a Grand Theft Auto 6 yet because I'm still playing Grand Theft Auto. That's how good that game is to me. Rockstar is my... Next to Bioware, Rockstar is my gaming company of choice. I've loved every one of their games, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm kind of a Rockstar stan. So, so I'm probably not the most I'm probably the most biased person you you're, you're going to talk to when talking about Rockstar. I have nothing negative to say about them. Nice. You have a Rockstar tattoo on your butt? No. Well, I'm then not, you're not no. a real fan, are you, Eddie? No, anyone who has a Rockstar tattoo, they are diehard, and I respect them. Uh, please send all negative. of your Rockstar butt tattoos to namicversane at gmail.com. Yes, please. I, I will. Even if you don't have a tattoo, just send us your butts. No, don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> You've got butts. <laughs> please don't do that. Oh, my I, God. I've, seen, I've been seeing a lot of dad butts lately. Oh, my daddy God. butts lately. So. Speaking of I dad butts, <laughs> what, a, what a perfect segue into... A game that is kind of chewing up the Steam sales charts with... Chewing uh, it up, man. Chewing it up. Nom, nom, nom. Uh, This is Dream Daddy. Dream Daddy is the first game produced by the Game Grumps. And the Game Grumps, uh, in case you don't go on YouTube ever, is a very successful uh, YouTube channel in which it's mostly a Let's Play, but they're a little bit more than that, uh, where they play through other games and kind of comment on them. But this is their first foray into game developing, and they they hit it out of the park on the first one, and they have themselves a hit with Dream Daddy, a dad dating simulator. They do. They do have a hit. And I was a little bit surprised, because there's a lot of dating simulation games on Steam. Very sexual. How many include hot dads, though? That's the question. Hot dads? There are not a lot of hot dad games. I believe this is the first dad game. Um, some of the dating simulators that I've played, I have played Honey Pop, so <laughs> I apologize, Mom, for saying that out loud. I have played Honey Pop. I won't go into details about Honey Pop because my parents do listen to this podcast, but Honey Pop is a dating simulator where you meet young ladies and you're basically trying to take them to bed, but it's a very engaging puzzle game. I oh, yeah, like no, it sounds like it, pervert. Um, there is this, I can't, I can't think of the name of it right now. But there is a pigeon dating game where you're actually yes. dating pigeons. I actually and... talked to the developers of uh, of Dream Daddy about that. They mentioned the pigeon dating simulator. 
Oh, they they did. They yes. Sure did. So you're dating pigeons and hope that the pigeon that you fall in love with will turn into a prince at the end. So I had put a couple hours into that one. Tale as it was old more, as time. Yeah, you know, and these games are all shock value. You know, the pigeon, the yeah. honey pop, they're all like. Dream Daddy was didn't at first when I went into Dream Daddy, I was just like, here we go, another meme game. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to develop a game where people can record and have some laughs out of it. There's no serious depth to it. The writing's not going to be good. You know, I went into it very biased. So very it, surprised. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like it was announced. It was not done this way because they knew what they had. But when it was announced, it seemed like, oh, this is just for the quirky value of like, what a funny game, you know, like where you date a whole bunch of different dads, like a different whole bunch of different hot dads. And then when you actually played the game, it turns out there's a lot of heart to the game. and It's really well written and it takes a lot of time to really flesh out its characters and give you, I don't know, a sense of like real ethos in this game. It's not it's not laughing at its characters. No, it's not. I mean, there's this character who is a pastor and he has a wife that you're dating. Not, you're not dating his wife, but you know you're trying to date him. And he has a wife, and he has kids, and the kids are really messed up because the dad's obviously in the closet, and he's having issues coming out of the closet. And the kids are like have these, and the mom has these neurotic behaviors. It's, it's it's just deep. And then you go from him, and then you have this other dad named Brian, who's Brian. really good at grilling and cooking and hanging out at the, at the lake and hanging out with his dog, and he has no issues like that. So and then they have character. They have the characters are very diverse, very diverse cast of characters. It's a weed smoking, um, coffee owning dad. There is a transsexual vampire. Excuse me. There's a transsexual uh, vampire, transgender vampire. Yeah, there's him who people I guess are staying away from because he seems kind of quirky. But I guess he has the deepest story. It's interesting, man, because I came into it thinking that it was going to be another shock value type game. They were just going to put in some just lame jokes i honestly thought it was going to be homophobic going into it because I, I didn't know too much about the graham grumps i didn't know what type of writing styles they had but man this game is deep it's made for mature people it's made for adults and it is introspective and i'm learning a lot yeah it's great to see well uh you'll hear in a second because we had the uh, developers of the game on the podcast this week but vernon shaw and light and gray the two creators and the two writers of the game uh, they really did spend a lot of time talking to each other, um, one of which is a is a queer woman, and she wanted to get um, some representation in the games in a way where it didn't feel... I don't want to put words in her mouth, and she'll say it better than I do, but uh, wanted to get representation in a game where it didn't feel like it was as a token, uh, where it's like an actual fully fleshed out human being, which is... You know, something that I think is more lacking than just having representation on screen is to have representation in a way where it actually means something. Right, right. And I think they do a great job because all these characters are different. Very, mm-hmm. very vastly different. And they're, she's right. They're not all this token character. They're not all in the same vein. They're not all playing to the same stereotypes. There's no stereotypes in this game whatsoever. You're, you're, you're a single dad seeking out, seeking out other single dads to date and hopefully build into a relationship. And it's very sincere. Most of these dating simulators you're going into with one goal, and one goal, and that is to get into these basically young women's pants and things yeah. like that, or have sex but with a pigeon. This one, yeah, exactly, or have sex. Um, but with this one, you are really getting to know these characters and getting to know their backgrounds and getting to know their childhoods and how they came to be the person that they are. And a lot of dating simulators aren't doing things like that. So I applaud Game Grumps and their efforts for this. And I will also say, as a straight male, it's still enjoyable regardless of whatever your sexual orientation is. And that's what good games and good stories should be. I always bristle at the fact where people say, like, this is written for one specific audience. And I don't think that stories work that way. I think that any story can be resonant with any type of person who picks it up. Uh, I don't think there should be ownership of stories, particularly when they hit at the human experience. I think that being a human is the same Across the board, I think that there's a lot of superficial things on the outside, and obviously these are very real things, and social issues are very real, and they affect different groups of people in different ways. But what it gets at to be lonely or what it gets at to be companionship, that's a human truth, uh, regardless of what your background is, regardless of what your gender is, regardless of what your sexuality is. And without getting too lofty with it about a dating sim, about dating dads, it does kind of hit at that, and it's nice to see that, honestly. Yeah, and it does it in a way without being gross, and it does it in a way without being gratuitous, and it does it in a way that's not offensive. Yes. So, and it, it and it makes me very look. Love is love, right? I, I don't. I'm not gonna get on my soapbox and everything, but 
and I, you know, even I, I I'm not going to sit here and bullshit. I went into this game a little apprehensive because the game is set up as you're a single dad trying to date other dads. And I went into it like, well, I'm not a single dad. How am I going to relate to this character? Right. And I went into it and I was just like, oh, a lot of these, a lot of this dating tribulations that this character is going through are the same things that I'm going through with dating, you know, young ladies out in the Bay Area. It, it's a lot of similarities and it's, it, it, like you said, it gets to the point of being lonely and being vulnerable enough to let other people into your life, learning about other people, letting people learn about you in, in hopes that it will develop into something beautiful. Absolutely. Companionship, and, relationship. And above all, it's done with humor and really well done humor. The game is funny. It's a lot funnier than I thought it was going to be. And the references that it makes are just off the wall. There's so many crazy, deep Deep references to things, to different bands from the 80s and the 90s, to literature from the 1800s. I mean, it's it's referencing things all over the place. It's a really well written game. It is, and it's you know not only that it's it's not only funny, but it's deep. Like it's deep and it's heartwarming, and the way these dads are raising their young children, the way these like there's Craig, Craig, one of the characters, Fat Bro um, Craig. He's so into his fitness and he's so into his dog but he's such a good dad Mm -hmm. like he's such a good dad and like something like that it's just you don't see that with these other dating simulators there's never any depth to these characters and every one of these characters have some real depth to them specifically like craig specifically like robert and i'm I'm using names because i'm hoping everyone is going to go out here like i really enjoy matt because he's you know just a sweet smoking coffee shop owner right so who forgets stuff and he's referencing bands that no one knows about. And he's, there's so, so many puns. He makes I, so many puns. It does a lot of puns, um, a lot of coffee puns and things like that. So <laughs> this, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's just this game is something that I think if you are open-minded and if you are, if you can really sit down and you really enjoy character development, this is a good game for you to pick up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it should be applauded not just for the diversity of the representation that it represents or that it puts forward it should also be applauded just for pushing a genre forward a genre of dating sims and being like these can be a little bit deeper than they might have been not to say that the pigeon game is not very deep because it is and we've all wanted the you know sleep of the pigeon that's the first thing i think every time i go down to the park and now i'm banned but this game well pigeons are just they're the sexiest they're rats you have to say it's the sexiest bird they're just rats all right whatever more pigeons for me whatever that pigeon game is disgusting <laughs> why pigeons of all birds i don't know it's disgusting but dream, dream daddies and all these daddies right, go play it it's, it's fun it's engaging yeah it's entertaining that's great it's a lot of reading though so be prepared to read a lot but... Okay, joining me now are Vernon Shaw and Leighton Gray, the writers and directors of Dream Daddy, a dad dating simulator. Okay, so I guess the first question, I'm sure you guys have gotten this a lot, is uh, why a dating sim? Um, well, I guess the origin of this idea was uh, it all kind of started with the dad Donna, which um, I one day was just thinking of, like, the different types of donuts a person could have, because, you know, being on the internet, you've probably seen personas or gemstones or, you know, just different uh, extensions of the self in the form of, like, these different personalities, and I was like, dad donuts should be a thing, <laughs> um, and I kind of drew, drew my own dad donut of it, and then from there, I just thought, like, wow, it'd be great if, it, if there was, like, a game where you could create your own dad donut and date dad. Uh, and I was really surprised when I found out that was not already a game. So it seemed like a dating sim would be the best format to do that in. Yeah, when we started creating it, um, I think we gravitated towards the idea of a dating sim because um, uh, dating sims, uh, as they exist nowadays, are kind of inherently a little off the wall. Like one of the more popular mm-hmm. ones is Powerful Boyfriend, which is a pigeon dating simulator. So when you think about it, uh, a dad dating simulator is one of the more pedestrian uh, versions of the dating simulator out right now. Was that kind of part of the thought, I guess, was to try and make something that leans into that quirky nature of these dating sims? Yeah, absolutely. Um, We wanted to create something uh, fun and lighthearted and a little bit weird. And and I think uh, pairing, you know, like the concept of dads with a dating simulator 
really did that perfectly for us, and we're really, really happy with what we ended up making. Yeah, uh, I'm curious, I guess, because uh, is this something that's near and dear to your heart? Oh, I, I'm, I'm wondering what the impetus of the idea was, other than... You know, just like kind of going with the vein of how these dating similars have been. You know, like you wanted to do dad sonas, like you said. Uh, but what exactly about this specific idea was appealing to you, or what what made it pop? Oh well, we had uh, uh, Layton told me the idea at Disneyland actually. <laughs> uh, so uh, we were talking about um, this really sort of infamous um, Instagram account called Built to Disneyland. Yes. I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but. Um, it's, a, it's an Instagram account that just finds and rates the hot dads in Disneyland. Uh, so when we were going to Disneyland and we kind of had this agreement together that all we were there to do was to find and rate the hot dads. And when Lane told me that she had ha always had the idea of a dating simulator where you play as a dad and you go to meet and romance other dads, um, that just seemed like a really amazing idea to me. Uh, I personally, I think, I think Lane and I have semi-similar similar relationships with the internet. Um, Lane sort of... Uh, uh, grown up entirely on the internet, and myself, I've been working uh, on internet-based content for the last six years at this point. So, like, I, I really, um, I, I think we both have really strongly held ideas about uh, how content works on the internet and how um, uh, how one thing gets shared to another person on the internet. And uh, the idea of a dad dating simulator, after having played a lot of dating simulators in my time and Lane doing the same, it just seemed. Um, it seemed exactly right. It seemed like the perfect idea. And um, the more we kicked the idea around, the more real it felt. Gotcha. Uh, what's fun about the game is that, look, I'm a straight male, but um, I think the game speaks to pretty much everyone. It's not, it seems like it would be a niche game, I guess, but it's obviously blown up in popularity, and it's it's obviously not a niche game. A lot of people are just interested in it because it tells a fun story in a fun way, and deals with a lot of issues and uh, a lot of heart that everyone has, regardless of whatever your sexual orientation is. Uh, when you made this, was it kind of trying to appeal to the gay community, or were you just trying to make a game for everybody and this was the story that you decided to tell? Um, I think, uh, you know, as a queer woman, like, making content for the LGBT community is really important to me, and as an illustrator and a comic artist, that's kind of what I tend to lean towards in the things that I make. But with this game, I don't think when we started that we necessarily intended this to be like the queer gang experience. Like it really, the genesis of the idea really was from like it being about dads dating other dads. Um, but the more that we worked on it, the more that we kind of saw like this opportunity to like tell a story for this community that could be really important. Mm -hmm. um, because there's like so little queer content now that is just like lighthearted and fun and silly and it's kind of showcases like really normalized relationships. So I think that part of the goal for this was for it to be for anyone. Um, so that, you know, gay men could enjoy it, like women who aren't straight or even straight people playing it and seeing like, oh hey, these relationships are, you know, just like straight relationships and uh, should be treated with respect and care and, um, yeah. Uh, and to sort of uh, jump off of that, I think mm -hmm. the idea of a dad is a universal thing for a lot of people. Um, uh, you know, like that everybody has a dad, uh, or everybody has a relationship with a dad, whether they have a dad, have a bad relationship with a dad, or don't have a dad at all. Like, I think just the idea of a dad is a universal concept. So um, I think that there's a, a lot of the humor revolves around dads and fatherhood in the game, and I think that a lot of people can relate to that. I think you guys flesh out a lot of those. I haven't played through the entire game yet. I've only had a couple hours into it. But you do flesh out a lot of the... Yeah. The characters are fleshed out. The relationships between the fathers and their children are fleshed out. Uh, what was what were the inspirations behind some of these characters uh, to, to try and make them feel real in this game? Oh, uh, when Liz and I were writing this game, um, we actually wrote the game... Uh, almost entirely over Skype on either side of the country. Ladies in Savannah, Georgia right now, I'm in Los Angeles. Um, the, the entire writing process was just us sitting down together and just finding ways to make each other laugh. Uh, uh, but at the same time, searching for an emotional core to each character. I think it was really important to us that every single dad was goofy in their own special way, but they all had conflicts surrounding them that made for a well-rounded three-dimensional character. And I think... Once we found that conflict, the voice of each character really became more and more three-dimensional. 
Yeah, and to add on to that, like, there's so much of Vernon and I in each of these characters. Like, mm-hmm. the best writing, I think, comes from, you know, writing what you know. And, you know, while neither of us are, like, single fathers, like, what we do know are a lot of the emotional, like, issues that the dads are dealing with. And, right. Um, Amanda, the daughter in the game's relationship with the player character dad, uh, is, is really, like, autobiographical for my relationship uh, with my father. Um and there's just, uh, you know, the kind of stuff, not to get too spoilery about the game, but, you know, Craig, the fitness dad's past mm-hmm. kind of culminates in like, being really anxious and feeling like he's not doing enough, even though he's all uh, overworking himself. Um, you know, the bad dad's past about having a lot of regret and having, like, neglected his child and feeling like there's nothing going to do to fix it. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff is, like, really deeply personal, and so it was, like, a very vulnerable experience uh, writing a script. I'm glad you said that word. The the, the game development experience was a year and a half of us just uh, going through therapy together. Well, what I was going to say that is, uh, it does seem like therapy, or it does seem vulnerable. A lot of these characters have insecurities, and nobody's quite as charming and put together as they seem at the uh, at the surface. And yet, the one person who seems to be the most together in the whole thing is Amanda, who kind of is pushing our story through. Uh, what was the decision to make the? I don't want to call her the strongest character in in the game, but Amanda's kind of like our emotional through line throughout the character. Was that? Was that a decision that was made early on? How do you decide to kind of make her the... I'll make a weird comparison here. The the Navi from uh, Orcarina of Time for this type of game. Yeah, well, uh, with, with most games, and especially dating sims, you kind of always have that character who's the tutorial character. And a lot mm-hmm. of times with dating sims, because the setting is like a high school or an academy, that kind of ends up being your best friend. Um, so it just seems kind of like a natural extension of that for that character to be your daughter in this game because it felt, you know, weird to have a game about dating other dads without the children playing, having a really strong role in it. Um, and just like uh, Amanda has gone through a lot in her life. I mean, she lost her mother or father really early on and grew up with a uh, single dad who's trying his best. Uh, and I think when you go through that kind of thing, um, it's important you to grow up really quickly, uh, and I think that Amanda kind of felt like she had to be her dad's like kind of emotional rock and like stay strong for him. Um, so you know when you play the game and you go through Amanda's kind of personal quest and kind of find out that there's you know a little bit more than me die a little bit more than uh, you can see from her sudden disposition. Uh, yeah, it's, it's again it's just like a really personal like that's definitely a reflection of. Uh, my own experience with my father. Mm-hmm. To get into um, the game's development a little bit, uh, this is Game Grump's first game after spending years um, doing, uh, both playing other people's games. Why the why the move into game development, um, and also, uh, I guess how why a dating sim of all? I know we already kind of touched on that, but it just seems like. I don't want to say it's a funny choice, but it's just it was maybe an unexpected choice for them to start off with. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, I've been working with the Game Grumps for a year and a half now, and um, uh, I brought this idea to them um, uh, pretty early in my time working with them. Um, so uh, Game Grumps is really cool in that it's sort of a creative collective in the sense that you know it's 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 not just a let's play channel. It's um, it's a group of animators, mm-hmm. and they have uh, two musical comedy acts, and they're doing a live show right now. So um, it's so cool to work in a a place that's sort of a um, uh, uh, the zone where people support each other's creative ideas, right? Like if you if you if you have a strange idea, you do the strange idea, and then your friends support you. So when we brought this to Kingdom. Uh, they were extraordinarily excited and extraordinarily supportive to help us make it. So they agreed to uh, uh, fund and produce the entire game. They helped us build a development team, and we worked out of the office for um, the better part of a year making this game. Um, and um, I think it's really cool for a, um, a Let's Play channel um, to to branch out, right? Like, uh, But I think that the natural inclination is to, when you're making a video game uh, for a well-known Let's Play channel to make the game about that Let's Play channel. And while there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, I just don't think that um, 
uh, it would reach as many people as an idea that exists in a comedic parallel mm-hmm. to that YouTube channel. So instead of making the game Gross Game, we wanted to try something really, really different. So uh, when Lane came to me with this idea, it had all of the sort of like check marks of what I think good shareable content on the internet was. And I think that's why we were both so excited to move forward with making the thing. And I think that's specifically why Game Grumps uh, picked up on the idea because it um, has the same sort of humor that the Game Grumps fan base um, loves and enjoys. But at the same time, it, um, it really uh, uh, exists in such a way that you don't need to know what Game Grumps is to find and enjoy the game. And I think that's right. the best possible thing that we could have done. Do you foresee um, future team-ups in the future on uh, on more games like this or doing other types of games with Game Grumps as they kind of start moving forward as a developer of games? Yes, absolutely. I think uh, I think with the sort of flash success of this game that we've seen um, so far with the game, uh, you know, only having been out for, uh, for less than a week, um, I think that we can confidently say that uh, Game Grumps is a game studio now, and I think right. that opens up this new world of possibilities for all the uh, strange stuff that we can continue doing that still exists within the ethos of Game Grumps. Right. Well, speaking of that, I mean, the game is a success more so than, I don't know, I think a lot of people were expecting or you guys surprised by the success of it. It's almost become, you know, a crossover success. It's popping up everywhere. Yeah, it's very bizarre. Uh, I think we expected it to do okay, uh, but this is just, like, overwhelming. I'm very excited to see a fan base forming around uh, characters that we love so much. Um, And we're excited to see um, what we can do next to the property or what we can release next or how we can get this game to more people. So we're currently examining those possibilities right now after we get a couple days of sleep. (laughs) <laughs> right. Uh, do, do you think that the time in which it was released is in any way indicative of its success? Um, I don't know, the political environment being what it is. That, that's a great time to announce it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I, I think people thought it was a joke at first because we did announce it on Father's Day. But right. um, uh, it quickly became very serious that we weren't we weren't joking in the way that we thought they were. Um, but yeah, um I suppose from a business perspective, I, I think we released in summer where there, we weren't competing with a lot of uh, larger AAA titles, mm-hmm. um, and we sort of got to uh, you know like rise this post E3 wave of uh, of, uh, of game hype, which was really really cool. Um, but at the same time, I think to, to, to Game Grumps' credit, uh, Game Grumps has a very large pre-existing fan base, and right. when we when we make something that sort of that that when we make something that that fan base might enjoy, uh, they're going to share it. And I think um, a lot of the game's early viral success was due to, you know, making a game uh, for and with the game well, The success of this game is obviously in the writing, as any dating simulator would be, but the writing in this game really is truly superb. Uh, the amount of puns that you guys are able to turn in this game is staggering. It might be the most pun-filled game of all time. Uh, but you make so many... S- so many references to so many different things is just because coming from your own fandom, things that you've read, or were you consciously trying to turn as many puns as possible in this game? Um, I think it was, you know, before, the, before we wrote this game, Vernon and I were both hard, like an anti-dad joke. Um, <laughs> and now we cannot stop and puns pun come out of my mouth all the time and uh, my friends are going to excommunicate me because of it. Um, <laughs> But, no, yeah, we're both staring at the mirror, wondering what we've become. <laughs> yes, it's exactly that. <laughs> no, um, uh, yeah. So, like the, you know, like so much of this game is myself and Layton's personality, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, uh, at this point, Layton, um, despite living across the country to, uh, from me, is the person I've talked to most in my life uh, over the past year and a half, um, and I think that our humor has sort of. Um, I suppose congealed into this one, uh, like this one strange beast that where when we get together, when we sit down to write, um, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff comes out. I, I I hope from from your from your judgment of the game, I, I hope that's true. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the the game and the references and the inside jokes 
um, that's all just me and Layton being the people that we are and then finding ways to make each other crack up over like a really shoddy Skype connection. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think the dad comes through in spades. It's really well done. Um, Thank you so much. <laughs> it's, a, it's a massive compliment for me. Um, uh, this game is obviously, I mean, there's tons and tons of positive reception online for it. Have you gotten any type of particular reception from the gay community? Um, I mean, we touched on it earlier, but it's not that it was marketed only for the gay community. It's obviously not. It's for a lot of people, but it is also uh, a queer game at a time where there's not as many queer games, like you said earlier. So have you gotten any any type of particular uh, resonance with that community that you've seen that kind of sticks out to you? Um, I think the way that people have responded to the fact that you can be a trans dad and that the goth dad is also trans mm-hmm. has been um, really heartwarming because I, I, uh, I can only think of like a small handful of other games that deal with that kind of issue delicately. Um, and I think the kind of response that just um, feels the best for me is when people say like, hey, I'm trans and this game made me feel included and accepted and I've never like had a character that I could relate to that not only was trans that has like a fully fleshed out uh, backstory and is like is a really complex three-dimensional character. Right. Um, so I've been like really, really happy uh, that this game could be that for people. Yeah, and we're, um, I don't know, man, we, um, uh, we've received a couple of emails with some people telling us how important this game is to, to them, and it's just been a really, really heartwarming thing to us to be able to read these things and to see people, um, you know, like, um, take a lot of meaning from this game and feel, um, and feel included, and, and um, it's, it's just, it's just I'm continually, continually flabbergasted at the response that we've received. That's really cool. It's really nice to hear stuff like that. Uh, I have one last question, and it's a complete non sequitur, so I apologize for how out of the blue this will seem. Uh, (laughs) My podcast is named after uh, Dragon Ball Z. In this game, you can give your character Goku's iconic haircut. Was that a hard thing to actually get in the game? Space Man hair? Space Warrior hair? Yes. (laughs) It's it's not not, not Goku hair? I don't don't know what you're talking about, Patrick. I don't know what that is. I think that answered the question that I had about uh, copyright infringement. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, uh, we 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 love uh, we love Dragon Ball Z. Um, big fan of that. But this is a completely wholly separate type of hairdo that has nothing to do. <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, thank you so much, you guys. I really appreciate it, and I enjoyed the game quite a bit. So, congratulations. Thank you so much, man. That means so much to hear. Of course, absolutely. You guys have a great day, okay? You too. Bye-bye. Okay, I feel like we are kind of on the Pokemon Go beat now as this story continues to unfold. Last week, we talked about the disastrous Pokemon Go Fest in Chicago where gamers were throwing bottles. I keep saying throwing bottles. There was one report of one guy throwing a bottle. I don't want to paint everybody with such a broad, violent brush. People were throwing chairs. There was a riot. There were fires in the street. People were crucified. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Pokemon Go, man, makes people go insane. It was like the end of the stand. Um, anyway... Regardless of how hyperbolic we want to be about it and say how awful these people were, it was a disaster. Uh, it did not work out the way it wanted to. And now the people who went to it and paid $100 to, or are getting $100 as a recompense for this event, they're turning around and they are suing Niantic, the uh, producers of the game and the people who put on the Pokemon Go Fest. This is from the Chicago Tribune. Uh, it kind of details what the suit is. So the suit claims Niantic failed to account for the number of people who attended Pokemon Go Fest, as well as technical problems with the game's software. The technical problems that they had was that the mobile the mobile carriers, the mobile networks, could not handle the amount of people that came out, and they crashed, and you couldn't play the game. Uh, so those factors led to Fest attendees being unable to play the game, as Niantic's advertising had led them to anticipate. So that's what they're suing over, is basically false advertisement and not not paying off on the promise. The original tickets for this event only cost $20, and you got $100 worth of in-game credit if you went to this thing. You're already $80 ahead. Why are you turning around and suing? Well, it sounds like a lot of people came from out uh, out of town. Uh, Fair enough. So he's saying, like, you know, $20 is very, very cheap, but the people that came from, you know, different cities, 
that's a hundred dollars in game currency is not enough to cover those traveling expenses. Um, and he, uh, the George, not George Zimmerman, sorry, that name is always going to be ingrained in my head. Thomas Zimmerman, yeah. um, the lawyer of all the, of these twenty to thirty people that came up, he says we're not seeking any relief, any respect to the failure to get legendary Pokemon because Niantic is offering that, but Niantic is not offering to refund people's travel expenses for coming to Chicago. Most of the people came from out of state, many people from other countries. I talked to someone who flew in from Japan. Wow. So it seems like that is what they're banking this argument off of is you need to cover tra- travel expenses. A lot of people came from out of Chicago, um, even though some people – even the people that came from Chicago, um, you have to cover their you know their expenses for, for having to take time out of their busy Saturdays <laughs> to come to the park for an event that didn't work the way you wanted it to work. I feel these people. I do um, because you wanted something to occur and it did not occur. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know. I think we're so happy in this country, and I think you already. Oh, I guess you didn't come out ahead. I mean, if you if you were somebody who paid that much money to fly across the country to do something that had never been done before, and from a company that has, I don't want to say they're notorious for it, but like they do have a bit of a checkered past um, with issues similar to this. It's just a little bit like, well, it's on you, you know. You took a risk, man. Yeah. Like you took the risk. Like what? Like I'm sorry. It was a. Gosh, I, I don't feel for these people. I don't. It's hard, uh, right? Because like I want to. Coming, I, I, I know, I, and I'm, that's why I'm struggling. Like I want to, but I sign up to go see Kanye West in Chicago, and I'm flying from the Bay Area, knowing where Sh- Kanye West's psychological issues are right now, and he cancels the concert the day of. Can I really be upset, knowing everything that he's been, knowing the behaviors that he's exhibited the last year, two years? I really can't. It's the risk that I took. Right. And, and you're banking that Niantic is going to follow through on a promise when Niantic has been struggling this last year to promise – keep up with any promises. You're banking on the internet working at a massive event that's never happened before. It's been untested. I mean you signed up for it. You took the risk. It's on you. I, I feel the same way and they even tried to make it right with you. You know? They, they – they gave you eighty more dollars than what you paid for originally. I mean, it was in-game currency, but it was. But I mean, you're obviously a fan of the game if you're going to fly across the country to go to a Pokemon Go fest. Yeah, but it's in-game currency. But still, I agree. I, I get it. I get what you're saying. It's yeah. like, but they're giving them a hundred dollars. So that's going to be put back into their company. right. I know. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, look, uh, that's how I is feel. That really, a gesture of goodwill on their part. Well, it's definitely a gesture of goodwill. Is it enough? Is the question? I guess. I mean, like they didn't need to do that, but they did do it. Um, I mean, they should have done it, but they didn't need to. Uh, I just think this is above and beyond. Is this going to be a class action lawsuit? I'm assuming from a whole bunch of these people. Uh, and then also, this is what's weird, right? And I'm not a lawyer, so take everything I say with a big grain of Pat's an idiot. But these are people. They're saying it alleges violations from Illinois, California, and Washington state law. That's three different states. So does that make this a federal case? Is this going to federal court? Or or is this going to be tried in three different states? How are they going to try this case? How do they try this case? I don't know. And I don't know if there's – how is the fire Festival? Is is that similar? Is that going to be tried federally? I believe so, yes. I think there's a federal lawsuit against the the founders of the fire Festival. But I might be wrong. so you're telling me yes. that there might be a federal lawsuit brought on the Niantic over $20 <laughs> tickets at a Pokemon Go festival? See, and when you say it like that, you realize how insane this is. Well, I, I've never agreed with the lawsuit in the first place, but it's just like, man, this is this is where we're at right now, though. This is where America is at right now, so we really can't be surprised. This is, and that's the bigger issue that I think that it hits at. Sort of like what we talked about last week. Is this a bad look for gamers? Well, I think this is also a bad look for gamers. Move on. Move on with your life. Stop wasting everybody's time with this. Let things get going with life. Look, everybody gets disappointed every once in a while. If I go to Carl's Jr. and I order a chicken sandwich without tomatoes and there's a big fat tomato on my sandwich, I'm not going to turn around and sue Carl's Jr. I might, but... <laughs> I'm always looking for a quick, quick lawsuit. Like I go to Walmart sometimes and like stand under, you know, I stand under really big shelves, hoping that something falls on me so I can sue Walmart. But yeah, you, it's no, the American no, way, I don't know, man. It's like, uh, really, delete the app. <laughs> like, thank you. Delete the app. Everyone just, everyone who's upset, 
call your friend who has the Pokemon Go app and just be like, could you please delete this app? Stop putting money into it. Could we just like punish Diantic that way? Isn't that the funniest part about this is that if anyone cares enough to sue this company, I guarantee you you're still playing that game. You'll be sitting in the courtroom waiting for your turn to speak, playing Pokemon Go, seeing if you can catch uh, Ekans in the courtroom. Nobody wants an Ekans. That was a bad example. Ekans would be in a courtroom, though. That's a good. I like well, that. Well, he's a snake, so that's why I picked him. Him I feel or like the rat Onyx one. would be in courtrooms. Onyx seems like it'd be a good courtroom Pokemon. But yeah, you're right. All of these people <laughs> that were complaining are probably going to be still playing it. Uh, if you care I, enough, that's what aggravates me about gamers. Like, if something makes you upset, just don't play the game, don't buy it, delete the app, send a letter to the company indicating how upset you are. There's 98,000 other games that you can be playing. If it really pisses you off so much that you have to make a federal court case about it, then play a different game. Entitlement gamer syndrome. I'm telling you it's a thing, and it's a thing that we need to talk about more. And this is why it's hard for me to talk about this, because I do feel you. I feel you if you flew all the way out there and things don't work the way you wanted it to. Like, that sucks, man, and I'm sorry. And, like, as somebody, every time an airline loses my luggage or every time I have to go to the DMV and they make me wait longer than I want to wait, all those little pedantic things that just kind of pick at your brain, I get it. Or looking forward to something and a concert gets canceled. That was a great example that you gave. It sucks. It sucks, and I get it, and I feel bad for you. Be an adult. Move on with your life. And not everything yeah. works for you all the time. Yeah, and look, I'm not going to fly to New York to see Lauren Hill. All right, it's on you. Look, you're you you're being very nice. I'm not. I'm I'm going to be a dick. <laughs> look, it's on you. It's your fault. Like I said, I'm not flying all the way to New York to see Lauren Hill. I'm going to wait for her to come to the Bay Area. So if you wanted to do a Pokemon Go festival that bad, you should have waited your ass until it came to your city. But you want to be cool and you want to fly to the first event ever so you can say i was part of the first pokemon go event ever and look what happened yeah so i'm sorry i don't have any sympathy for you and you got a free lugia you're you're sitting there with your free lugia being able to use it in any gym that you pass by what else do you need yeah and you know the one thing i'll give you being upset about i would probably have been upset if i got 80 dollars of in-game cash i would have probably been upset about that i would have probably been more just give me the free pokemon I'm going to go ahead and file this under I don't like anyone in this situation and then move on with my life. Yeah, that's it. It's just like everyone fails. Just leave it there. Everybody sucks. Besmirch mark in the gaming history. Hopefully we don't have to talk about this. This is probably going to be, at the end of the year, this is going to be one of the bigger, like, what the F stories this year. Right, that that slap your forehead, like, what in the world is this? All right, everybody. We have this new segment today, and it is called the... Gaming price is right. Yeah. Gaming for saying price is right. We're going to get sued a lot. I think like being sued is the uh, the Cote du jour this episode. Price is near right? Sure, that works. <laughs> yeah, there we go. You can't sue us for putting near in there. Take that, Bob Barker. So we've all seen the prices right. If you haven't seen the prices right, I'm not going to explain the rules to you, but basically I'm going to give Pat – well, I'm going to explain the rules right now. Look at you. I'm going to give Pat <laughs> a product, and he's going to have to guess the price of it. He cannot go over. If he goes over, he loses. That won't happen, though, so – <clears throat> yeah i watch a lot of prices right how do we we need to contest it next week i think but whatever um oh that'd be great should we have like if you're within like ten dollars you're right and if you're not within ten dollars you're wrong how are we gonna grade you on whether you get it right or wrong that's a good point because it's only me right now that sounds good yeah. um okay yeah whatever the window is if you want to do a set of ten dollars yeah let's do ten dollars okay i think i can do that okay all right all right Okay, ladies and gentlemen, so I'm going to start with some three basic video game accessories that most of us have. Uh, well, I'll start with one really easy one that you should get, okay? These are all GameStop prices. I'm not advocating for GameStop. If you're going to buy anything, do not go to GameStop. Go somewhere else. Um, <laughs> so, first I have here a DualShock 4 Wireless Controller Gold Edition. It's a newer controller. Looks nice. I would buy this in a second gold-plated your standard ps4 controller pat how much do you think this controller costs hmm all right i know that a regular controller especially if it's a dual shock controller for the ps4 it's going to run me about 45 dollars since it's gold-plated i'm going to bump that price up let's say 12 dollars i'm going to give it a retail price of 58 dollars Ding, 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 ding. Oh, The retail yes. price is $64.99. Oh, man. I nailed your, it. Your basis is way off. Um, what? 
<laughs> I thought you were gonna get this went completely wrong because you said controllers are forty five dollars. Controllers were forty five dollars in the last generation of PlayStation. In this generation, they run up at an average of sixty dollars. Whoa! What a time to be alive! Good game. lord, that's madness. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yes, but you got it correct. Your reasoning was way off. I'm surprised you got it right. But I yeah, was. I was throwing you for a loop. I was just trying to make you it are. more entertaining for people listening. You are one for zero. Good job. Good job. One for one. One for one. Whatever. All right. Here we go. <laughs> I'm not good at math. We, we went over this in like the eighth podcast. Okay. <laughs> Next. It's a little... It's a little easy. It's a little harder. Okay. All right. I know you don't have this system, but I think it's necessary for every single person to have one of these. I'm looking at a Nintendo Switch case with a screen protector provided to you by Nintendo. What in the world? How much do you think this would cost? Sorry, it's a case for the system itself? Yes. So you have to understand, you know, you take the case undocked, you gotta put it in something, you know what I mean? You don't want to just walk around with it just nilly-willy. No, of course not. Why would that just come with the system? That'd be crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sorry, I laughed because you said Nintendo providing their customers for something other than the plastic dock. (laughs) 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 Oh, oh, that was funny. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. Okay, so, so this Patrick, is how much do you think this costs? So this is a plastic container that goes over my Nintendo Switch. Yes, it's a plastic container. It contains a place for you to put your games. It contains a place for you to put Ooh. your your um, what are these things? What are those things called? Your Joy Cons. You know, you can detach them, place them somewhere. Okay, elsewhere. So this you sounds like this sounds like a pretty uh, a pretty big piece of hardware, like a, a big enough thing that the price is going to be at least over $30. However, it's also just a supplemental thing, um, and the system already costs so much. I'm going to put it at a retail price. Ooh, this one's hard. I'm going to put it at a retail price of $65. Whoa! Oh, no! You were, you were along the lines of your first your first reasoning. It is, really? It is, 20, it is $24.99. Oh, that's a nice price. That's not bad. Not, 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 a, not a bad price. But, you know, you're just getting the Nintendo Switch case and the case protector. So, yeah, you're off on that one. So you are... You got one right, got one wrong. So this is... Watch Nintendo raise their prices on that product to, like, $65 next week. We're like, oh, well, people thought it was worth that much. It's coming, probably. I'm surprised it's $25. You would think it'd be, like, at least $40, but, you know... I mean, look, it's it's ridiculous that you don't have to pay for this thing, but $25 is not that bad. It's not that bad, and I would highly recommend anyone who hasn't bought it to purchase it. I have one, and it, it works really well. I didn't know this was also going to be our segment to plug merchandise. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm looking to get a whole bunch of money from this. <laughs> so am I. I'm going to call Nintendo afterwards and be like, where's my check? <laughs> so for all the marbles, we have a HyperX CloudCore Pro Gaming headset Good by God. Kingston. Retail price I'm looking at provided to you by GameStop. Everybody should have a wireless headset or a headset to play their video games on. If you don't, you're not a real gamer, and I don't respect you. Uh-oh. So, Patrick, how much do you think this will cost retail at GameStop? Okay, so this is a wireless headset for the... HyperX Cloud, yes. Oh, okay, thank you. HyperX Cloud really helps. I feel like Hyper is going to cost me at least an extra $10, and you throw it's... that X on there, that's at least another $9. It's comfortable to the core, okay. enhanced co- comfort so you can game for hours, superior audio with the same specs as the HyperX Cloud, compatible with PCs, PS4, Xbox One, Wii U, wow, detached microphone. It works for all those different systems. It, is a, it works for all those systems. It's over the ear then, right? It's not like an in-ear? It's over the ear, yeah. It, it's it's a mighty, mighty fine piece of hardware. So I'm like uh, 1970s like rabbit ear headphones, like I should yeah. be roller skating on Venice Beer. Absolutely. Okay. Like with your short shorts and while you're roller skating, that butt is just swaying ever so nicely. You know what I mean? In what world would I be roller skating in anything other than short shorts? I don't know, but I I could see you with some short shorts and those like high socks, those high 80 socks. Yeah. I'm either thonging it or I'm wearing some Daisy Dukes. Dude, you might be our next character on Dream Daddy too. (laughs) (laughs) You might be the next daddy. You need to hurry up and have a kid, bro. All right. I'll get right on that. Um, Let's see. All right. Can you can you read the name of this product one more time? Because I need to know it's, how many ultras and X's are in there. It is the HyperX. HyperX. Cloud Core Pro Gaming headset. Okay, that Cloud Core is going to run you too. I'm going to say, oh, 
Sixty-nine ninety-five. Yes! Yay! Ding 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 ding. Wow, sixty-nine ninety-nine is the retail price for this, Patrick. You oh. get out of that was four cents off. That's insane. You're four cents off. You are our first winner of the Namek for Saiyan. Price is damn near right. Woo! I love it. I love yeah. it. Interesting. Interesting. Yes. And Hyper X Cloud headsets. I would highly recommend you to stay away from them. I bought two over the last five years. So, and my second one just came out. So. Well, there goes all that advertising money. Well, I'll tell you what, since I'm in such a good mood since I won, if you respond back to us um, either via email or on the comment sections of our SoundCloud, I will send you a prize. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to own a Rick and Morty backpack. What? I want a Rick and Morty backpack? Everybody wants a Rick and Morty backpack. What? Well, how come you're always offering these people stuff when you have a very fine co-host that lives across the state who would love this stuff? I think it mostly comes down to the fact that I don't like you very much and I don't want to give mm. you things. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I don't like myself sometimes too. So. See, okay. and that's why you lack confidence. If you had more confidence, I'd be giving you all the Rick and Morty backpacks. That's what my mom says. All right. <laughs> She's like, Edmund, if you had more confidence, you would get that Rick and Morty backpack. She's been saying that for years. If you email or write, up to, write to us, email anyway, Twitter. You, you yeah. reach out to us on any of the social media platforms, I will get you a Rick and Morty backpack if I like your comment. If your comment is like, pet smells like farts, well, that one's pretty funny, so I will give you a backpack. But if it's anything else, no. That's or send us a out. picture of your butt. Whatever. <laughs> no, no pictures of butt. <laughs> or... If you're a daddy, send us your dream daddy profile. <laughs> oh man, that'd be fantastic. We should we should make a a lookbook of a whole bunch of different dream daddies for the sequel. I kind of want to contact Graham Grumps. I know you had a great interview with them that's going to be on the podcast this week. I would like to contact and be like, can we start like a dating app? Could I get into this somehow? Make some money, dream daddies. Can so, I can I pitch you guys some daddies right now? Yeah, I got I got a lot of daddies. So Pat, have you been playing anything this week? What have you been playing this week? Uh, I'm still playing through Final Fantasy twelve. I've been trying. I have an Xbox, and I feel like all the good games are on PS4, and I feel like I'm missing out. You should just like buy a PlayStation Four already. Yeah, I mean, I, I need to. I don't understand why you still don't have one. Because I'm playing all these games that you would absolutely love, but you don't have a PlayStation. So, like, I started playing this game this week that everyone's talking about. It's probably going to be any game of the year. Mm-hmm. You heard it first here. Pyre. P Y R E. Ah. It is a board game like sports game like novel adventure story plot sound like you're doing a heavy a mad lib right now it's like this game is so deep and it's got so many layers and i'm a huge fan of super giant games if you haven't heard of super giant games they came out with Bastion, which was one of the greatest indie releases in my opinion. Bastion really got me into indie releases. It came out in 2011. Transistor came out in 2014. Another fantastic, fantastic game by Supergiant. And they're three for three right now with Pyre. I, I, I'm about five hours in the Pyre. It could, it could possibly be up there with Game of the Year. Wow. It could possibly be up there with Breath of the Wild Horizon. This game is phenomenal. It's, it's Quidditch and Basketball soccer and if you like banner saga pick up this game i can't get over how good this game is ladies and gentlemen i it's it's leaving me wordless i don't even know how to describe it it's everything that you would want if you're a nerd like myself all right well one more reason for me to pick up a playstation 4 yeah you you need to you need to yeah so pyre splatoon 2 that's what i've been i picked up near automata 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 been playing that (laughs) That game's phenomenal. You would like that game, too. Kind of reminiscent of those old Metal Gear Final Fantasies types. So, yeah, I, I'm having a long weekend. A lot of a good gaming weekend. Nice. I love it. Well, I'm going to have to start picking up some more. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I'm, I'm lacking. I'm slacking. Terrible. I, like, hate you sometimes. You're playing Final Fantasy XII. It's a good game! Have, sure, but, man, we have Splatoon 2. We have Pyre. We have Prey. We have Persona 5. We have so many games that came out this year. You're playing Final Fantasy XII. I want to slap... The shit out of you. 
I would just want to get into a ring with you and just give you a Stone Cold Stunner. That's like how upset I am right now. Oh my god, that was the greatest reference that's ever been made on this podcast. I, I want to give you a Stone Cold Stunner. Oh my god. All right. Well, at the risk of getting my butt kicked by Edmund, I'm going to wrap this week up. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, please follow us, uh, rate us, share us, follow us, whatever. Do all that stupid internet stuff for us. Yes, listen to us, share us, Facebook us, tweet us, SoundCloud us, Pinterest us. Um, <laughs> we are around. Any uh, link, LinkedIn us. Absolutely. No, any feedback, um, we are yeah. happy to get back to you guys. If you have anyone that you would like to hear on the podcast or if you have a tip or a story that you would like us to delve into, we are very happy to do that for you. So please reach out. Yeah, and email us, NamikVSane, and Sane is spelled S-A-I-Y-A-N. You should know that because you, sh- you all should be watching Dragon Ball Z. If you can't spell Saiyan, Yeah, you're an idiot. Also, there's going to be some – I've been lacking on the streams this week. I apologize. Work has been a little bit insane. But I will be back on streaming. I'm going to have some Pyre videos up. Um, I'm also going to get some hardware this week. So pretty soon I'll be streaming some Splatoon 2. Ooh, awesome. All right, well, everybody, check us out on all the interwebs, and we will see you next week. We love you. Goodbye. Love you. Stop suing. Yeah, stop suing. Knock it off. Yeah. Alright, awesome, man. (laughs) This is going to be long because that interview I have is like.